All right, amen, amen and amen. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? On this kind of gray, I don't know what kind of day this is. Is it rainy? Is it cold? Is it warm? I don't know. It's, 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 it's uh, November 2nd. It's All Souls Day here in Estes Chapel. It's good to be here with you. Uh, it's always an honor to preach uh, in chapel here, and I appreciate uh, the invitation to come and to share from God's Word. Um, Jessica kind of introduced me. It was a good introduction this morning. Whenever I'm introduced as an Anglican, I am an Anglican priest and a canon in the Anglican church, but I, I like to describe myself as a missional, low church, uh, charismatic with a seatbelt Wesleyan Anglican. Can, can I get an amen there? Is that like, if that blows your mind, it blows my mind sometimes. And what that means is if God can can uh, use me, he can use anybody. And just like yesterday's sermon, and of course I get to preach after Bishop Emilio Alvarez, his sermon from ain't to saints, sometimes that's how I feel and how I think many of us feel. Uh, but it's a privilege to share this morning, and as Jessica shared, this is a, a verse that um, the Lord's really has, has been in my heart for months. Um, and as I began to pray and to think uh, kind of more deeply around um, this morning's sermon. I painted a painting. I'm also an artist. And, uh, you know, I've done many things in former lives, as, as many of us have. Maybe, maybe you were uh, in business before you came to seminary, you did something. But uh, we, uh, throughout um, our, my wife and I, my wife, uh, Kay, is with us this morning. Kay, wave your hands. Yeah, there's, that's my wife, Kay. So, an accomplice in, in ministry. We've We've done a lot of really cool, crazy stuff over the years. We, uh, we, our first ministry assignment was in a, we pastored a little rural community church in a town of 800 people, and um, God showed up in that little mountain community, and we built a care center that um, today in a town of 800 people with no red light, uh, there's a food distribution center that feeds and, and helps uh, over 8,000 people in this tiny little community. It's still there and thriving and active. And, um, when we had moved to the Outer Banks, our last church plant, we started an art, a nonprofit art gallery. Why not? When you plant a church on an island, start an art gallery. And so we, we planted an art gallery that reached hundreds of young adults and kind of became kind of a hub of creative arts community. Uh, we launched a thrift store called Mission Thrift that um, gave 10% of everything that came in back out to missions. And so art, creativity, mission has really been a part of our whole life story. And, and we're church planners too. I've helped been a part of church planning and my day job here is director of church planning. So that's just a quick snapshot of who I am. And, and this verse that we're going to look at here um, this morning, we see Jesus kind of comes behind closed doors and opens the doors and he speaks to his disciples, and he speaks a word that I believe is a word for us in today's generation and time and in the moment in which we find ourselves. But there's also a real powerful analogy, as you see this um, piece of art that's on the screen, is that as the doors open up, Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, and then he sends them out on mission. And so uh, there's a beautiful movement of what I believe the Lord wants to do in the church today uh, but more personally in your life and in my life today, we live in challenging times. It doesn't take a rocket science to know that um, we're living in very unusual, chaotic, challenging moments uh, and time in history. 
that's not just in North America, but around the world that's been fueled by the 2020 global pandemic that, again, uh, became an issue for everyone around the world and still affects all of us. And the only way I can say it is I, I know that it's instinctive to try to find a new normal, to say, all right, what's the new norm going to be? But, I, you know, I, the bad news this morning is there, the new normal is there will be no new normal. Amen. You can feel it. Um, there's fatigue and challenge and, you know, all around us. Um, and in many ways, again, this is a global issue in which we're all in this thing together. I think we found um, the effects of the global pandemic has affected the global economy. It's, a, a, it's affected um, uh, various people groups from around the world. Uh, Andy Crouch, early on in the beginning of the pandemic, really I had a prophetic statement in which he said, the effects of the global pandemic will be a, an economic and cultural blizzard and will be the beginning of a little ice age, a once-in-a-lifetime change that is likely to affect our lives and organizations for years to come. And he predicted that some organizations and churches will not make it through this. And uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I worked with global leaders from around the world. People ask me all the time, or my kids are like, Dad, what do you do for a living? I'm like, well, I... I network and, you know, talk with global leaders and travel the world. And one of the, one of the things that many of us did very early on is we got on Zoom. There's probably more people on Zoom this morning than there are in the chapel building, which is kind of one of these new realities that, that emerged, has emerged out of this. And um, working with leaders, I've seen that uh, it has had sent shockwaves throughout the church. And so this is the context in which you're called to minister. It's a brave, strange new world. And uh, you're living through um, challenging times, but also very exciting times. That the same Jesus um, that, you know, gathered his disciples in an upper room, the same Jesus that uh, came behind locked doors to the disciples there in the Johannine epistle is the same Jesus today. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The gospel hasn't changed. Uh, the, the Lord hasn't changed. The Holy Spirit is still the same. The call is still the same. Um, the times change, but we still have the same gospel. But we're living through challenging times, and let me just kind of paint a picture of these new realities. One is one of the results of all of this change on people's lives globally is that many leaders, um, secular and in the church, uh, it's fueled a global uh, mental health crisis um, that people are, are, are affected by. And if you look at the statistics and numbers, one in five people will be affected with a mental health issue, uh, which has also fueled what was called um, the Great Resignation. So in 2021 alone, over 47 million Americans quit their jobs. In 2021 alone, there was what is called the Great Resignation, where 47, just in North America alone, 47 million people just walked out of their places of employment. They said, hey, I'm over it. Uh, I'm going to go find another job. And uh, again, there's a lot of factors that can be around this. But in many ways, the global pandemic kind of fueled um, changes and shifts that were already happening underneath the surface uh, of, of culture and context and society, and it kind of has accelerated many of these changes and have brought these about. 
Um, this, you know, these changes and challenges, as I said, have also radically affected the church. Uh, many church leaders that I've spoken with around the world have spoken about this, this uh, idea or phenomenon of great resignation is also happening in the church world as well. In a recent study from Barna Research, they, um, they've uh, found out that there's been a dramatic increase in the number of church leaders who are burned out uh, and seriously consider quitting ministry. Consider this, 38% of pastors have indicated that they have considered quitting full-time ministry over the last year. Uh, this number has raised, when you look at the mainline denominations, nearly 51% of clergy are, are thinking about actively quitting their job. Now, here's where it gets really shocking. 46% of pastors under the age of 45 say they are strongly considering leaving ministry. So what does that mean with the future of the church? Um, there's a lot of challenges that, that the church is facing. You say, all right, bring it up, brother. I, I, so uh, we live in challenging times uh, where church leaders, ordinary people are, are, are trying to figure this out and trying to find answers and what are the, what are the solutions? I think uh, kind of my, my approach to ministry sometimes is we, we have to have kind of bilateral looking. We have to look ahead, but we ha also have to look behind. And so uh, the future of the church, as Robert Weber once said, um, is through the past. And so as we look at the scriptures and we see the gospel reading from this morning, I believe that the Lord offers us an answer. What is the radical anecdote and answer for the challenges and struggles and challenges facing the church in our kind of whole post-pandemic, post-modern, post-everything world? And the radical anecdote is Jesus. It is Jesus. Amen? He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the same Lord that transcends culture and context. It doesn't matter what nationality, it doesn't matter the color of your skin, it doesn't matter the region of the world in which you live or what you are called to do. Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday. And he is moving us by the power of the Holy Spirit to look into the future with the same gospel, with the same hope, and the same message for today. And I think this passage, so let's dig into this passage a little bit. Here are the disciples, um, post-crucifixion, um, Jesus, the Messiah, he's their Messiah. They were looking for a messianic king who's going to bring the kingdom. And they were looking for an earthly king who's going to set up the kingdom. And so here Jesus, he's crucified, and here's this Messiah that they put all their hopes in. They're broken. They're fearful. And so one of the things that we find ourselves in this moment is one of the first responses that Christians have had over the last two years is fear. And so what does Jesus do? And so this idea is I was kind of praying to this. Jesus, uh, it says, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, and Jesus appears to them. So was Jesus just an apparition? Did he just somehow walk through the walls? Did he, was he a ghost that just all of a sudden appeared? He wasn't there and now he was there. And he, he actually does have a way of doing that in post-resurrection themes. But I see this idea of the door miraculously opening up. They've got the door, it's bolted, it's locked. And the, and the scriptures tell us that they're hiding out. They're actually 
hiding in a room for fear for their lives. And I encountered so many people over the last several years that became gripped with fear, fear of the fear, fear of the pandemic itself, fear of others, fear of kind of shifts, fear of change. There's so many things that we can fear that hold us into bondage. But Jesus has a way of opening the doors and coming to where we are. So the first thing that we see is we are like the disciples hiding behind whatever locked doors they may be. Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Whatever the things are in our life that hold us back, what are the doors that are locked in our heart and our life that we've got bolted and deadlocked? And we're saying, I'm, I'm not going to open up this part of my life. To God. And so these doors that are closed keep us from living the abundant life that Christ has called us to live. Amen? And Jesus comes behind and opens those doors. And I believe that this is a metaphor for where many of us have been, but also where some of us are at in this moment. So I have a really close friend who is a bishop on the West Coast. And I remember a couple months into the pandemic calling him and saying, hey, what are you doing for your churches? And a number of, um, a number of leaders that he knew, fellow bishops, had died of the coronavirus. This was kind of in that scary phase of the whole where you didn't know whether you were going to die if you walked outside. You just didn't know. And I remember talking to this bishop and him being so gripped with fear. He said, Winfield, I, I'm not even leaving my house. I said, what are you doing for your leaders? What are you doing to serve your pastor? He said, I'm not doing anything. I told them, don't call me, I'll call you. Was, was, <laughs> he jokingly said, and I said, you know what? The book of Joshua, Joshua, the word of the Lord to Joshua was to be courageous and have not fear. And that in the midst of all of this change, in the midst of all this chaos and brokenness, we, like Joshua, are called to step into a new place and to have courage and to move beyond fear with the courage that God gives us. And so we, we put together, we called it the Courageous Conference with online leaders and hundreds of leaders and pastors were a part of this conference at the beginning of the pandemic. And it, and it helped kind of open the doors for these leaders to begin to reimagine it helped them begin to open the doors in a fresh way for the Holy Spirit to come in and to breathe new life into their ministry and to give them new vision for what the new world might look like. I've been using language of we need new churches for a new world. And in many ways, that's the context in which God is calling many of you to minister in. It is a new world. And the, the four walls of the church building and the four walls, I love sanctuaries, I love, I love all this stuff, but the, what's emerging in this new world is going to be churches, new communities of faith, fresh expressions that are meeting in coffee houses and homes and in alternative spaces all around the world. God's doing a new thing. There's a new wineskin that is emerging, and you and I are called to be a part of that. Amen. So number one, Jesus comes to where we are, hiding behind closed doors, and Jesus calls us out by faith. He calls us to step out. Always we are called to take the step of faith. We might not know where that uh, is going. We might not know what it's going to look like, but we have to open the doors and the windows so the Lord can come in. So Jesus comes to them, 
Now notice this, Jesus comes to where they are behind closed doors. Jesus wants to come to us this morning. And I love that analogy of, of the Lord knocking on the doors of our heart. In St. Paul's Cathedral, um, London, uh, there's, there's a famous image of Jesus knocking at the door. There's a, there's a great painting that's in there. The artist, I believe there's several renditions that this artist did, but there's this famous painting of Jesus. He's knocking at the door, and Jesus is knocking at the door of our heart. Uh, we know in Revelation that, you know, Jesus knocks at the door, and are we going to open those doors and welcome him in? So I think the beautiful reality is this morning, Jesus comes to where we are. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to do any works righteousness. Jesus is actually already here and is ready to set you free this morning. Amen? That he who the Son sets free is free indeed, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is a liberty. And God wants to bring liberty and freedom into your heart and your life this morning. He's knocking at the doors of our hearts. So number one, Jesus takes that first step. Jesus is coming to us in our brokenness. He's coming to us in our anxiety. He's coming to us behind whatever closed doors they may be, whatever it may be. Fear, anxiety, anger, doubt, depression. Jesus meets us where we are. I love that. And he comes to where we are. And what does he do? He speaks a word. And the word that Jesus wants to speak to us today, and we see this throughout the Gospels, we see this uh, throughout the, uh, the Old Testament as well, as he's the Prince of Peace. He comes and says, peace be with you. That's the first word that Jesus speaks. It's, this, it's the word that Jesus spoke to the disciples that were uh, on the Sea of Galilee and the storm rose up and they were feel, fearful and Jesus spoke peace to the wind and the waves and the wind and the waves, they obeyed him. And this morning, Jesus wants to speak peace to troubled hearts and troubled minds. And let me tell you this, that when anytime you preach a sermon, you're preaching to yourself. Amen. So I'm preaching to myself this morning. Lord, Speak peace to my situation. Speak peace to where I'm at, what, the things that I'm struggling with. I need the shalom, the wholeness, the peace of God to come and to, to speak new life. And the word that Jesus wants to speak to you this morning is a word of peace and a word of blessing. In a chaotic, crazy world that is divisive and is on the edge of anarchy, Jesus speaks peace. Amen? That peace is the word. He is the very beginning. Jesus, the Bible tells us that he is the prince of peace. It is who Jesus is by his very nature. It's not just what he says and he does, but it flows from who he is. And when Jesus comes, he brings peace. And he wants to bring peace to our heart and our lives this morning. That's the word that he wants to speak to you this morning. So whatever, wherever you are, whatever your situation is, whatever your struggles are this morning, Jesus wants to speak peace to you. Now next, I love this. He speaks peace to them, and then it tells us that he breathes on them. This is a beautiful image. One of the things that I love about um, this, this particular Johannine account is that this is John's great commission. So we, we all know the Great Commission in Mark and Matthew. It's very action-oriented. It's like, go into all the world. Hallelujah, we're going to save the world. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. It's exciting. 
But what does Jesus do here? It's a very sacramental, embodied, Great Commission account. And I think it's beautiful that we're getting ready to come to the table here in a minute because he comes to where they are in their house. It's very intimate. It's very personal. Jesus uh, comes and he speaks peace to the home and blessing. And then it says he breathes on them. So there's proximity. Isn't it interesting that the devil tries to take things that God blesses and turn them around and manipulate and create fear? So even the pandemic, the fear of breath and breathing, to take something that God created that was good and to turn around and manipulate it for evil and wrong? And Jesus breathes on them. The Ruach breath of God, the breath of God that was there at the beginning, hovering above the waters, that the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, he breathed on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So he speaks peace, he opens the doors, but the doors he wants to open so that the Holy Spirit can blow inside of our life today. Let the wind of God blow into your heart, into your life. And so we see this peace is the word, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit is what God does in us. And then thirdly, there's this movement. You see that? There's a movement from doors being locked to the doors being opened to the breath of the Holy Spirit coming in. And then the movement, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you into the world. Amen. Jesus sends us out this morning with the peace of God as our word to a non-peaceful world, to a world that desperately needs peace, and he sends us out in the power of the Holy Spirit. He breathes on us. And so this morning, these are movements that the Lord wants to do in our heart and our lives as we get ready to come to the table. Jesus wants us to open the doors of our heart and our lives so that he can bring his peace, so that the wind and the peace of the Holy Spirit can blow in, and so that there can be a change in the atmosphere of our heart and our lives, that the very change, there's something that happens uh, when we open our windows on a spring day and we allow the wind to blow in. You can feel the wind blowing and you can sense that, that spring and new life is in the air. This is what God wants us to do in the metaphor of our house and our lives. So here's what I'm going to I'm going to end with the, just a real story. Some of y'all are probably listening and saying, oh, this is good. This is great preacher. I hear what you're saying, but is this real stuff? So this summer, I, I had a radical experience this summer. And to be honest with you, my own life, first year of the pandemic, hey, I was locked behind doors. I was fearful. Um... I was gripped by fear. And I've had a series of events over the last year and a half that have been really profound. Um, I went from traveling the world to, for a year, year or so, not, hadn't been on a plane, didn't do any, you know, hey, I'll talk with you on Zoom. Amen? That, that's where I was. And one of my best friends, we, we launched a network of churches throughout the East Coast that planted over 100 churches between Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. And, um, gosh, I don't know, time, I, I, I can't remember which year, was it last year, was it, I, I don't know. So my friend called me up, we were talking, 
He said, Winfield, you need to get on a plane and you need to get down to Florida to this conference. I was like, man, but what about, what if this? He's like, you know what? God has called you. God's put an apostolic gift on your life. And God's called us to go. And we have to trust him with our families, our health, our, our everything. And I remember I went to this thing in Florida. I showed up. It was a 5,000-member um, conference. I was the only person wearing a mask. And I was like, well, what's the point? <laughs> you know, there's 5,000 people here. And I guess what? I went there, and I came back, and I didn't die. Amen. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to testify. Yes, Lord. Um, and the Lord used that to kind of get me back just slowly. Words of encouragement. And this summer... I actually finally got sick. I finally got COVID, and it, it laid me up. And as I was laying there for a couple days, just staring out the window, the Lord spoke to me. He said, Winfield, uh, the Lord opened the doors of my heart in, in some powerful ways this summer. And he began to speak, and he began to breathe new life into me and the vision that he's called. And, and the Lord, this painting in many ways is symbolic of, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're an apostolic artist and you need to call artists together. And, and part of your mission is to help people think creatively about their mission and ministry. That's what I do. If you say, well, what does Winfield Bevins do for a living? He inspires others to go out on mission in creative, innovative ways. And over the last five, six years, we've trained over a thousand leaders in 20 nations through the church planning initiative, in large part because the anointing that God has put on, on my life and the initiative that we're leading is to help others think creatively about how they can use their gifts and talents for God wherever God has planted them, wherever they may be around the world. And so that's my encouragement for you today is what what is the thing that God is calling you to do? And maybe you've had your heart and your life has been kind of locked up, and maybe you've locked up that dream and that vision. Maybe that's the metaphor for you this morning. Maybe there's a dream that the Lord's placed in your heart that has been locked away on a shelf somewhere, hidden in a cupboard, tucked away in the back of a closet. And the Lord this morning wants you to open those doors and let the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit blow on you that you might walk into those gifts and the callings that God has on your life. God has a plan and a purpose for you this morning. The future of the church is sitting in this chapel today. My hope, my dream for the future of the church is you. And there are women and men in this room and, and, and people who are watching online that God has a great call on your life. But you've got to take the step of faith to answer that call. You've got to be willing to open the doors of your heart and your life and let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow in so that He can use you as the hands and feet. And I love that our dear sister prayed that prayer. This is my favorite prayer of all prayers. It's a prayer of St. Francis. Francis's story, you should read the story of St. Francis. He engaged in arts. I believe he created the first actual live nativity. He was a creative, innovative thinker who reached uh, uh, thousands of people in his lifetime, created a youth movement of young people that throughout um, 
uh, throughout Italy and throughout Europe. It, it just began to grow as a movement. So what's in your hand today? What's in your heart that you need to open up to the Lord? He wants to use you.